And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry man. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> guys, guys, guys! Fellas, think we could listen to the radio or something? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360. The radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the savvy Lisa Wolf. In this hour, we'll present a 1946 classic radio detective episode of Let George Do It, starring Bob Bailey. But first, it's Name That Tune. Lisa Wolf Cullen will play short clips from popular songs by Tony Bennett and a Hollywood 360 listener contestant named Dave. And I will try to name that tune. Right, Lisa? That's right, Carl. Now, a lot of these songs have been sung by other people as well, but all of these versions are recorded by Tony Bennett and known songs of Tony. We've got Dave on the phone from Illinois. Hi, Dave. Hey, Carol and Lisa, how are you doing? We're doing good, Dave. How How are are you? you? Uh, Well, I'm doing good, but can I tell you something first? Yes, of course. I am a little disappointed Uh in both of you Uh because you, you missed the obvious joke when Carol was talking about singing in the shower <laughs> and why he could not continue to sing in the shower. Well, what is it? Come on. Come on, bated well, breath because, here. Well, because of the overhead co- water costs, <laughs> uh, Carol could not sing in the shower anymore. I got a rib shot there for you. Dave, did you hear that? <laughs> the I'm sorry. I missed that one. Funny. I like it, that. Dave, can yes, you write for this they, show? Are you available? Could you write for this show for us? I'm right here for you. <laughs> <laughs> every, One phone call away. <laughs> I tell you what, man, we don't pay that much, but we have a lot of fun here, you know? Can't afford, you know what? You can't know afford what? too much. I, I can live on fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said that, too. It's not working out well for me, though. <laughs> uh, all right, let's... Uh, all right, we're going to play some... Uh, Tony Bennett songs, All right, right? guys. So, How does um, this work? So it works. I'm going to play a, a tune, and I'll tell you the year of it. And as soon as you know the title, yeah. just shout it out. We just got to shout uh, it out. We'll ready? see who, ready, uh, who can do Are you a big fan of Tony Bennett? Please say yes, Dave. Uh, mm, okay. Sure. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Good answer. All right, perfect. So um, this first song um, was, uh, this is from 1962. The Wait, what, what, 1962. Oh, uh, I left my heart in San Francisco. Yes, he got what? it already. How did you get that, Dave? You the got it already. What happened? Hang on a second. Seems somehow sadly gay. Wow, Dave. wow, we are impressed. That was wrong. Is of another day. Man, wow. 
and forgot I think you were the shower singer, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so there was hey, Carl, Carl. Yeah. You know what? I'm calling you from my shower. You know? I don't have a water why? problem. That's why it sounds so good. The it acoustics sure are great in there. Um, so this was written in 1953, and this was number 19 in uh, Billboard charts in 62. Let's all sing. Here we go. Ready, guys? In San Francisco. Francisco. <laughs> but all then right, Nancy but... Pelosi moved there. Hey, no politics here. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I'm out of there. All right, we're going to move on because Lisa we'll never hates get when I here. bring up politics, man. Here we go. Right, okay. This is all Ready, entertainment. Dave? Ready, the Dave? Next one. This yep, is a recording from, from 1958. Someday. Hmm. Uh, blue? When I fall in love. Are we sad and blue? No. No, 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 because I love you, and the way you look tonight. There it is, wow. he's got it. The way you look tonight, written by Jerome Kern for the movie Swing Time. It was introduced, and it was introduced by uh, Fred Astaire in the movie, I believe, Gay Divorcee. Wow. If I'm, I could be wrong on that, though. I, you know, Dave. You know, you just you just moved up the uh, monetary ladder, making <laughs> you, more money. A dollar more an hour. A dollar more an hour. hour That's for how your Carl writing rolls. skills. <laughs> I'm very impressed. So you're He's making a dollar generous. and one. <laughs> dollar and one cent. Very now. generous. I am very generous. All right, we're going to move on, guys. This next song. Well, Dave um, has two, and I have zero. <laughs> this next song was from a 1948 musical. Can't be bad to feel so good. Never felt quite so sunny that on, I keep guys. on knocking wood. There'll be some sailing because I'm trimming my sails. With my top hat and my white It's a toe tapper, that's for sure, but I don't know what it is. Well, that's it. Stepping out with my baby. Yep. Written by Irving Berlin and from the musical film Easter Parade. See how very timely that is. Easter Parade, yeah. Well, well, I didn't get that because my baby's gone. Oh, no. Stepping out with my baby. All right, this next song. All right, Dave has two, Carl has zero. Um, well, yep. let's just play it. I was associated with a different singer who recorded it in 1964, but this is from his 62 album. Out of the tree of life, oh, I, I just picked yep. me a plum. Oh, I know this. The best, uh, the, the, yep. the best, yes. is yet best is yet to come. Well, he, got he it said the best. Yeah, so I can't give Dave's it to you, Carl. The best is yet to come. It's absolutely there right. There you go, Dave. So Frank Sinatra recorded it in 1964. I'm getting uh, but creamed. But this is Tony Bennett's uh, song. I'm getting creamed over here. Carl, Carl, don't worry, man. We're yeah. a tag team. That's, That's true. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I like you it. can tag along with Dave anytime, Carl. All right. I like Dave. I'll tell you what, I like this guy. <laughs> Man, he's so great, right? Dave or Tony? Both. <laughs> you got to meet Tony back, didn't sure you, Lisa? Did. I sure did. Name I will dropper. never forget it. You brought it up. Name dropper. He was so, so kind and so sweet to me. I'll bet. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the obvious one, though. Another obvious one. Um, yeah. 
Lisa, when you saw Tony, did he did he say to say hi to Carl or anything like that? Uh, yes, I forgot about oh, that. Okay, yeah, cool. I just remember he did. Cool. Yeah, he did great. just that. Great, yeah. great. All right. Uh, the next song was from a uh, a movie, but is best known recording in 1963. Riggs Riggs. Nope. Wait a minute. Just let you know. I'm I'm sorry. What is this? I don't know. You broke my heart. Wait, wait, wait. My heart? No. Nope. Nope. It's the good life. The good life. The good life. The good life. There we go. This is from the movie The Seven Deadly Sins. And, and Tony Bennett uh. recorded it in 1963. Here's our last song. Oh, man. I got to okay. get one of these. All right. Well, let's see. 1953. Come on, guys. Uh, Moonlight in Paradise. <laughs> Something in paradise. So close. No, 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 Strangers in paradise. He got it. Yes. Strangers in paradise. Strangers in paradise. I got one. Dave, you let him get one. That's okay. You got to make you feel good. It's Stranger in Paradise from Kismet, the musical. And this is Tony Bennett. Hey. Dave, you're giving us a lot of, really lot of laughs here. Was that the last one? That, that is. The last one? It I is. got one. I no, Carl got one, but I you had to give him one, didn't you, Dave? Well, I was thinking that Rags the Riches was going to be on that. You were going to say well, it was like, uh, you know, it was, it was revitalized in uh, Goodfellas. Oh. Yes, but you know, I like to keep him guessing here. So, oh, you can't always go with yes. the obvious. I will tell you this: I'm impressed with Dave. He knows his stuff. Dave is he impressive. Can sing, he can dance, and he can act. <laughs> <laughs> and he can act. He's a triple threat over there. Dave, hey, you're you great. I can also, I can also deceive. Too. Deceive, uh, man. You know what? Here's the thing, Dave. I want you to call back and play again with us sometime, all right? Because you're a great contestant. A lot of fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with you. Thank you so much for calling in. And I'm going to send you a four-CD set of the Twilight Zone radio dramas, okay, Dave? And you're a winner. Oh, my gosh. All right, buddy. I've got too much... Time on my hand to listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, try to listen. Don't listen to it in the shower because I don't want any electronics in the shower when you're listening to it. All right. Thanks, you too. <laughs> See you, Dave. Bye, Dave. Take care, buddy. All Good right, night. let George do it. Coming your way. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. All right, time for a good detective series, Let George Do It. Came to radio in 1946, lasted till 1954. Bob Bailey, who was uh, also yours truly, Johnny Dollar, played George Valentine, a tough guy detective who prioritized his job above all else. And he ran a newspaper ad that said, Personal notice, dangers my stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you've got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. That's how he would get his, uh, you know, his cases, Lisa. Not a bad idea. Uh, He had a very smart and sassy secretary named Claire Brooks. Uh, He called her Brooksy, played by Virginia Gregg. It was sponsored by Standard Oil, and it was a darn good radio show. We have an episode for you now called uh, Mary Had a Lamb. From November 8th, 1946, here's part one of Let George Do It. The 
Your neighborhood Chevron gas station invites you to... Let's George do it. Brought to you by the makers of climate-tailored Chevron Supreme Gasoline and RPM Compounded Motor Oil. Valentine would be the last person in the world to take a job that was not exciting, even with a large salary attached. That's why he opened his office and advertised to solve any problem for a fee, of course. Well, he's had his excitement all right, sometimes more excitement than he bargained for. Right now, George, his secretary, Claire, and Sonny are driving along in his car. Mr. Valentine, why so much mystery? Where are we going? Just playing hooky from the office, huh, Mr. Valentine? We can't afford to play hooky, Mr. Valentine. You know that. Have you two ever heard of the Harding Bookshop? Not I. Never. Why? Should we have? Well, that's where we're going. To buy a book? Of course not, Sonny. Mr. Valentine has a book. <laughs> Here, bright girl, take a look at this newspaper clipping. What does it say, sis? Hmm. William Harding, eccentric owner of the Harding Bookshop, died in his sleep last night. He leaves his widow Harriet and a nephew Frank. Mr. Harding had been in poor health... Okay, and... that's enough. Well, what about it? man dies in his sleep. Where do we come in? Well, his widow phoned. She wants me to meet her at the bookshop at 11. She made it sound urgent. Jeepers, I wonder why she wants to see you. An eccentric book dealer dies in his sleep. His widow is very anxious to see me. Kids, I don't know what it's all about, but it has all the ingredients for some real excitement. No use, Mr. Valentine. The bookshop's closed. Maybe Mrs. Harding hasn't arrived yet. Wait a minute. I think I hear someone in there. I'm sorry, but we're not open for business. The shop is closed. Oh, Mrs. Harding, I'm Mr. Valentine, and these are my assistants. Oh, of course. I've been expecting you. Come in. Suffering cats. Look at the place. Books scattered all over. Yeah. Somebody been searching for something, Mrs. Harding? You can see why I called you. Someone broke in here last night. Did you phone the police? No, uh... No, I didn't. No? Why not? Because I think it was an inside job. The windows were securely locked. They don't look as though they'd been tampered with. Someone unlocked the door and walked right in. I see. You suspect someone in your family. That's why you didn't phone the police. Mr. Valentine, I won't try to keep anything from you. I suspect my husband's nephew, Frank. Did he have keys to the shop? So far as I know, my husband and I had the only keys. But you must have some reason for suspecting Frank. Well, he's always been a wild boy. I never had any use for him. My husband was fond of him. He even had Frank helping here in the shop. Uh, Mrs. Harding, just what was this person looking for, do you know? Money. Money? I'm not sure, of course, but I think my husband had some money hidden away here. Uh-huh. You may have heard my husband was... Well, he was odd. It would be like him to hide the money in his shop. Then he mentioned some money to you? He always said that we'd be well taken care of in our old age. And yet he died penniless. I see. And uh, just what do you want me to do? If there's any money here, I want you to find it. I'll pay you, of course. Oh, of course. But the shop's already been searched. Maybe the money's been found. I don't think so. You see, I frightened the person away. Oh, then you saw someone. I just caught a glimpse of someone running away. It was dark, but I think it was a man. Mm-hmm. Why did you come down here last night, Mrs. Harding? I, uh... I wanted to look around myself. Oh, yes, yes, of course. 
All right, Mrs. Harding, I'll keep in touch with you. Come on, kids. I'll be waiting to hear from you. Let's go, kids. What do you make of it, Mr. Valentine? Say, quite a girl, isn't she? Her husband dies, and that same night, she's down at his shop looking for any money he may have hidden. Well, why don't we stay here and search the shop? Because someone beat us to it, Sonny. Besides, I want to know a little more about this case. And a little more about Harding's death, too. Mr. Valentine, do you mean... Do you think he was murdered? Uh, I'm just guessing. Come on, let's go to the car. Hey, wait a minute. I want a word with you. Jeepers, I wonder who that is. Must be the nephew. I just want to warn you not to believe half of what my aunt tells you. She's... She's not herself. She's hysterical. Oh. Well, I don't agree with you, Frank. Your aunt seems unusually calm, considering. Calm? She called you in, didn't she? She knew what she was doing. Why would she call in a private investigator? How did you know I'd been called in? Well, you were, weren't you? Suppose she told you there's some money hidden away. That's a lot of baloney. Is it? You're just wasting your time. They said some money disappeared after my father died, too, but we never found any. There's always that kind of talk when someone eccentric dies. Just when did your father die? Five years ago. Uh-huh. Frank, were you with your uncle when he passed away? No. It was during the day. I was in the shop with my aunt. Miss Barry phoned us. Miss Barry? Alice Barry, the nurse. My uncle's known her since she was a child. Of course, she's a young woman now. Very attractive, too. Okay, Frank. See you again sometime. No, you won't. I'm going to tell Aunt Harriet to call you off. Yeah, do that. You think she'll listen to him, Mr. Valentine? No, she doesn't trust him. Claire, I want you to get all the information you can on Harding's death and meet me here. Here? Yeah, in front of the bookshop about 10 o'clock tonight. And Sonny. Yes, sir. Get down to the Evening Express. Talk to Ben Steele. He's a friend of mine. He'll let you look through the old newspaper files. But what am I going to be looking for? Well, Frank's father died five years ago. Get what you can on it. Okay, Mr. Valentine. Hey, what are you going to be doing? Oh, he's going to talk to the nurse, of course. Why, Claire, how did you get? Oh, she's young and attractive. Naturally, you'd want to investigate that yourself, Mr. Valentine. Mr. Harding had been ill for years. There was nothing mysterious about his death. But don't take my word for it. Talk to Dr. Mark. Oh, I'd rather talk to you, Miss Barry. And I know Mr. Harding didn't leave any money. You're wrong about that, too. If you don't mind my saying so. Miss Berry, when a woman is beautiful, she can toss my theories into the ash can, and I don't open my mouth. I'll find that out after I get to know you better. Oh? You're going to know me better? Of course. What makes you think Harding didn't leave any money? Because he couldn't even afford to pay me a salary. He gave me this box of old phonograph records instead. I see. Uh, Miss Berry. Alice. Alice? Alice. Alice, uh, did Harding die in his sleep? Oh, yes. Then he didn't say anything before he died? Well, he mumbled something. Mumbled something? What, could you tell? I suppose he thought he was a little boy again, listening to Mother Goose. Why? What did he say? Mary had a lamb. Mary had a lamb? Are you sure? Well, the words Mary and lamb were plain enough. Uh-huh. Look, here's my card. If you think of anything else, give me a buzz, will you? I'll give you a buzz. Oh, good. Say, uh, how does that verse go? Do you remember? Mary had a little lamb, its fleece was white as snow. Oh, yeah, yeah. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. You're late. I was detained. By the nurse? Now, never mind. What are we going to do, Mr. Valentine? Well, we're going to get inside this bookshop. Hey, Mr. Valentine, where did you get those keys? They've opened lots of doors. See? Never fail. 
I'll try to find the light switch. Now, don't bother. I'll use my flashlight. Sonny. Yeah, Mr. Valentine? Stand near the window, will you? Let me know if you see anyone. Okay. Mr. Valentine, the books are all back in place. Well, Mrs. Harding must be a neat housekeeper. Come on, Claire. Now, we're looking for the section that has books for children. Then the nurse did give you a clue. Was she helpful? Oh, yes. And beautiful. Really? Tell me about it. Well, I haven't time. Couldn't do it justice. Here we are now. Uh, let's see. Peter Rabbit, Alice in Wonderland. Hey, look for Mother Goose. Is she a blonde? Yes. Treasure Island. A natural blonde? Oh, Claire, will you concentrate on Mother Goose? Oh. Is this what you're looking for? Yeah, good, good. Now find Mary Had a Little Lamb. Why? Oh, Claire. Oh, all right. Little Jack Horner, little Miss Muffet. Mary Had a... Oh, here it is. Good, good. Now read it. Mary Had a Little Lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. Uh-huh. And everywhere that Mary went, Lamb was sure to go. Do you want all the verses? Well, isn't there anything written on that page? No. Well, maybe there's some more Mother Goose books. These are all there seem to be. Okay, hang on to it. Put your hands up. <gasps> oh, Mr. Valentine, suffer and cats. Now, what are you doing here, Frank? Where did you come from? I was in back. I've been waiting for someone to show up. Why? What made you think someone would show up? Well, the place was ransacked last night. And you thought it might happen again tonight, huh? You can't tell. And Harriet says she frightened the person away. He might come back. Uh-huh. That may be why you're here. Or then again, you might be looking for the money yourself. I told you there isn't any money. Okay, Frank. Now put that gun away. You might hurt somebody. And get out of here, all of you. All right, we're going. Coming with us? I'm going to stay here and keep an eye on things. Say, that's a very good idea, Frank. Just keep an eye on things. Fleece was white as snow. Everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. I could oh, Mr. Valentine, it's a little late to be reading Mother Goose. Well, look, here's what we've got so far, kids. Harding's brother, who's supposed to have money, dies, but he doesn't leave anything. On the other hand, Harding, who's supposed to be poor, tells his wife they'll be provided for in their old age. Oh, I see. You think he had his brother's money. And he hid it in his bookshop. That's what Mrs. Harding thinks, and so does Frank. Well, go on. Well, this Mother Goose rhyme should lead us to the money. Why? Because Harding tried to tell Alice about it before he died. Alice? The nurse. Oh, first name. Oh, definitely. Hey, who'd be phoning at this hour? Hey, get it, will you, Claire? Hello? Is Mr. Valentine there? Yes, who's calling? Alice Barry. Oh, just a minute. Your nurse. And she's not a natural blonde. I can tell by her voice. Oh, have it your way. Hello, Alice. Mr. Valentine, maybe I can help you after all. Yeah, what's up? Well, you remember that Mr. Harding left me a box of records? Yes. Well, I was looking through the box of phonograph records when suddenly I... Oh! Hello. Hello, Alice. Mr. Valentine, what's the matter? Something's happened to her. I've got to get over there quick. It's interesting because it has a live studio audience for a detective show. Not too many right. detective shows. Now, The Shadow was in front of a studio audience... But I'm trying to think of any other... Well, Sherlock Holmes was, now that I think about it. But most of the detective shows on radio were not in front of a studio audience. So very interesting. We're listening to Let George Do It, a show called Mary Had a Lamb from 1946. We'll get back to it and its star, Bob Bailey, in just a few. Two, 
If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co host in total you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month become a classic radio club member at classicradioclub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator log on to classicradioclub.com or call 815-900-7535 that's 815-900-7535 And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right, I just want to uh, make sure our listeners know about Mies Meals. Because, folks, if you want incredible food delivered right to your home, where your family will think you are a gourmet chef, then you got to check out Mies Meals. And uh, we just ordered all of our food for this week, right? I um, I got, like, fajita, chicken fajitas. What did you get, Lisa? I, I'm crazy. I got tofu with green beans. <laughs> it's like a spicy Asian sauce on it. There's like like 10 different things it each least. and every. And I really yeah. appreciate that I can choose the dinner that I want. I'm not going to appreciate what you choose, but I, I can choose the vegetarian options. You could choose the poultry options and we're all happy that way. Comes to your house in uh, like a special container with uh, dry ice. So it's super fresh and super good. And uh, when you open it, super easy. They have all these uh, cards that just tell you exactly how to prepare, like preheat the oven to 350, and then... Um, step by step. Put this here, put mm-hmm. that there. Yeah, put, it, put this <laughs> put here, this put here, that there. Put that there, get a pan, put it in the pan. And in 15 to 20 minutes, you have like a home-cooked meal. I mean, literally is a home-cooked yes. meal. And everything is in there. Everything you need, all the sauces, all the vegetables are already cut for you. It's great. And it makes it super fast to make a dinner that is incredible. And uh, Mies Meals has a special offer for our listeners. Your first time you order, it's 50% off your order by putting the promo code CARL at checkout. So go to MiesMeals.com. That's M-E-E-Z Meals.com. MiesMeals.com. Just check it out. And you don't have to subscribe. You don't have it's you don't have to if one week you want to do it and next week you don't want to do it, it's fine. You just try it and then order it each week or whatever weeks you want Mies Meals food. You will love it. And make sure you use the promo code Carl. Okay. You ready, Lisa? Conclusion now to let George do it. When George was about to get some important information, the nurse, Alice Barry, phoned him, but before she could explain, something happened to her. Now it's a few minutes later, George is opening the door to her apartment. Alice! Alice! Oh, you poor kid. Oh. Here, let's get you up on that couch. Oh. Now, take it easy. You've got to be all right. Oh, Mr. Valentine. Wait a minute. I've got to put you down here. There you are. Now, you better lie still for a few minutes. I'll get you a drink of water. No, no, please don't leave me. Don't be frightened. 
Hey, you've got a nasty-looking bruise on your forehead. Otherwise, you seem to be okay. How do you feel? Oh, like I've got two heads. Yeah, I'll bet. Want to tell me what happened? Well, there isn't anything to tell. I was talking to you on the phone, and, and then it happened. Somebody took a sock at me. Well, who was it? Don't you know? No, he must have crept up and hit me from behind. From behind? Yes. Oh, you didn't see him at all, huh? No, for all I know, it might have been a woman. Yeah, it might very well have been a woman. What about the records? No, I guess they're gone. They were on that table over there. That's bad luck. Oh, don't worry about them. It was just an old bunch of records. Believe me, if all those endearing young charms, who is Sylvia, and a few more like that. But I thought you discovered something about them. I guess the person who stole them thought so, too. No, Mr. Valentine, that's not why I phoned you. Feel like telling me about it? Of course. You see, while I was looking through the records, I got to thinking about Mr. Harding and, and what he'd said just before he died. Yes? I could almost see the whole thing all over again. He was moaning and, and tossing around in the bed. I ran to him and felt his pulse. Go on. I told you that he said Mary had a lamb. But now as I think back, Mr. Valentine, I'm almost certain he said, Mary Hayden Lamb. Mary Hayden Lamb. Mary Hayden Lamb? A woman's name? That's right. Do you think it means anything? Well, it must mean something. Yeah. It'll probably lead us right to the money. That is, if there is any money. Um, now, look, i got to beat it. But I want you to lock the door behind me, understand? Don't worry. After this, I'll always lock my door. Good. Better put some ice on that forehead. It's turning a beautiful purple. I'll be all right. Uh, Mr. Valentine. Yeah? If it does mean anything, will you let me in on it? <laughs> I feel as though I have a stake in this now. Oh, I don't blame you. Okay, Alice. I'll keep in touch with you. Hey, open up. Hey, Mr. Ward. Mr. Ward, hey, open up. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. You out of your mind? What are you doing here at this hour? I want to buy a book. Well, go away, go away. We're closed. Come back in the morning. Oh, now, wait a minute. Don't close the door, Mr. Ward. i got to have something to read tonight. Do you realize it's after 11? I know. I'm terribly sorry, but let me in, will you? Oh, all right. Come in. Other people have sane customers, but I suppose it's got to be a mystery with at least six murders in it. <laughs> Mr. Ward, did you ever hear of a book called Mary Hayden Lamb? Never, no. Are you sure? I came here because you have a reputation for knowing every book that's ever been published. There's never been a book published by that name. Now, however, if you were to ask if there were ever a novelist by that name, I'd, I'd give you a different answer. A novelist? Hey, of course. Why didn't I think of that? Well, tell me about it, will you? Well, she was a local writer, and to my knowledge, she wrote but one book, thank heaven. Why do you say that? Because it's by far the worst trash it's ever been my bad luck to read. I see. What's it called? Isle of Love. It's about a girl and an island and a man, and if you want something to put you to sleep, I'll personally guarantee you your money back. <laughs> then you've got a copy, huh? One. Almost sold it this afternoon. Almost sold it? Is that so? Someone wanted it, huh? Well, ask me about it anyway. But evidently I had the good taste to turn it down. I found it on the counter when I was putting my books away. Well, who asked to see the book, Mr. Ward? Do you remember? Certainly not. I do a big business, young man, and I can't keep track of every customer who walks into my shop. Unless they make a special impression by getting me out of bed at this unearthly hour. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you've made a sale. I'll take Isle of Love. No, you've made a bad choice. Here you are. Mark down 89 cents. And young man, believe me, I'm cheating you. Hey, Claire, Sonny, come on, wake up. Oh, oh, 
home, Mr. Valentine. May we go home now, slave driver? Oh, I'm sorry, kids. I know it's late, but we can't stop now. Don't dare take the chance. Somebody may be getting desperate. What do you mean? What do you expect to happen? Well, nothing, if I can beat them to it. Now, Claire, I've got a job for you. How are you in the charm department? Charm? Yeah, that's right. Have you got any? Don't answer that. Whom do I have to charm? Frank. The nephew? I quit. Hey, I knew he was suspicious. As soon as I saw him, I said to myself, now there's Shut up, guy... will you, Sonny? Claire, I want you to get Frank out of the bookshop tonight. So that you can get in there without his seeing. That's the idea. Think you can do it? Oh, it should be simple, even if my hair isn't blonde. Oh, don't worry, Mr. Valentine. I'll take care of Frank. that gun down, Frank. It's Claire. Oh. You're Mr. Valentine's assistant, aren't you? What do you want? Well, Mr. Valentine's just down the street at your aunt's house. What do you want? Well, I was with them, but then they wanted to talk alone, so, well, they sort of left me stranded. Don't I look stranded? Yeah. Well, your aunt was giving Mr. Valentine an earful. She's not very fond of you, is she? You can't forget that I was once a wild kid. I, I have straightened out since then. Oh, I can see that. What do you want? I want to come in. Use the phone to call a cab. Why didn't you stop at a drugstore? Oh, well, all right, if that's the way you feel about it. Good night. Wait a minute. Hmm? Pretty late for you to be wandering around. Oh, I knew you had fine instincts, Frank. Oh, all right, come on, I'll take you in my car. <laughs> Okay, Sonny, come on. The coast clear? Yeah, they just drove away in Frank's car. Now, don't turn on the light. Excuse me for asking, Mr. Valentine, but just what are we looking for? We are looking for a book. More Mother Goose? No, The Isle of Love. There ought to be a copy just like this one somewhere in here. But why do you want two copies? Don't you understand, Sonny? I've got to have Mr. Harding's copy of this book. Oh, no, I don't understand. <laughs> Never mind. Just start looking. Yeah, but Mr. Valentine, there's at least a thousand books in the shop. Let's see now. Mary Hayden Lamb was a local writer. Now, why would Harding choose her book unless... Hey, wait a minute. I think I got it, Sonny. He must have known her. Well, what of it? That means it would be Harding's personal book, see? Oh! No, I don't see. <laughs> come on. There's a little room in back of the store. Remember? That's where Frank was hiding the last time we were here. Yeah, that's right. Well, come on. It's dark. Careful now. Here we are. I'll look around with my flashlight. Now, let's see. Hey, there's a desk, Mr. Valentine. Are there any books on it? Sure. Read the titles. Webster's Dictionary. The Complete Shakespeare. Cooking for Fun. And the Isle... The Isle of Love. That's it. Grab it, Sonny, and let's get out of here. Okay, Mr. Valentine. We'll take it back to the office. Hey, aren't we ever going to get to sleep tonight? We haven't time. Now, let's get to the car. Sonny, duck. Jeepers, what was that? Somebody took a shot at it. Mr. Valentine. It's all right, Sonny, you missed. Yeah, but let's get out of here quick. I don't think that person likes us. And then somebody started shooting at us. Oh, it was plenty exciting, sis. You're lucky. Frank's a bore. His conversation is brilliant. It's either yeah or yeah. 
I guess it was Mrs. Harding shooting at us, huh, Mr. Valentine? Because Frank was with Claire. Not for long. No? No, he just took me to a cab stand. I see. Run out of charm? Oh. Jeepers, Mr. Valentine, you've just about taken that book apart. Well, there's nothing in here. No secret compartment, no writing on the pages. I can't find a thing. Well, then let's go home and get some sleep. No, we can't stop now. Okay, kids, make yourselves comfortable. What are you going to do? Well, I'll have to start reading the book. Aloud? Certainly. I might miss something. You're going to read all of it? That's right. Here we go. The summer sun was setting in a blaze of glory, casting its light like a shimmering ribbon of golden orange across the lake. On the bank, her wavy hair streaming from her uplifted head stood Jennifer. Oh, I can tell this is going to be a classic. Perhaps her dream of love was to become a reality, for coming toward her was a canoe. And in the canoe was a man. Mr. Valentine, do you think Sonny's old enough? I'll keep quiet, will you? <laughs> Jennifer sighed longingly. <sighs> Sonny. Perhaps her stay on the island was at an end. Her face was alive with expectancy. Weeks had gone by. Jennifer knew. This was her man. What choice did she have on a desert island? In spite of his aloofness, in spite of his air of mystery, Jennifer knew that she loved him. And then a wonderful thing happened. He knelt beside her and kissed her. Well, it's about time. <laughs> oh, she said, then you do love me. Naive creature, isn't she? Yes, he answered. I love you with all my heart. If you don't believe me, look carefully when the grandfather's clock strikes the hour of midnight. And I love you, too, she told Wait him. Wait a minute. What was that again? And I love you, too, she told him. No, no, no. Go back to where he loves it. Oh, yes, he answered. I love you with all my heart. If you don't believe me, look carefully when the grandfather's clock strikes the hour of midnight. Hey, that doesn't make sense. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The printing on this page looks a little different. Yeah, so does the paper. Claire, get my copy of the book. Here it is. Okay, turn to page 82. Come on, come on. Okay, now read that part. Yes, he answered. I love you with all my heart. I swear it, Jennifer. That's enough. This is it, kids. Mr. Harding printed this page himself. Look carefully when the grandfather's clock strikes the hour of midnight. Mr. Valentine, there's a grandfather's clock in the bookshop. That's right, Sonny. And there's where that money must be hidden. Claire, get Mrs. Harding on the phone. Tell her to meet us at the bookshop right away. At this hour? And then phone Frank at the shop. Tell him to expect us. All right. Oh, and Claire, phone Miss Berry, will you? She wanted to be in on the kill. Oh, now you've got me phoning your blonde for you. Well, whatever you say, Mr. Valentine. What are you waiting for, Mr. Valentine? Why don't you give me my money? You mean my money, Aunt Harriet? Now, don't fight over the money. We don't even know if there is any. Then why did you call us here? And why bring Alice into this? Well, if there is any money, you'll have to thank Alice. She gave me the clue. Then it really was a clue, Mr. Valentine. That's right, Alice. It led me to a book. And in the book, I found some words that Mr. Harding printed. It said, look carefully when the grandfather's clock strikes the hour of midnight. The grandfather's clock? I'm going to see about that. Now, take it easy, Frank. Now, Frank, that's not your property. Get away from that clock. There's nothing in here. The clue didn't say there was something in the clock. It said, look carefully when the grandfather's clock strikes the hour of midnight. Well, it's striking 12 now. Well, what's different about the clock when it strikes 12 than at any other time? When it strikes 12, both hands point up. <laughs> Smart girl, Claire. Sonny, hand me that chair. Okay. You think there's something on top of the clock? No, above it. On the wall here. Yeah, you see? There's a false panel. Need any help? 
Oh, thanks, Frank. I think I could do it with the heel of my hand. That does it. What is it? Is there something in there? Yes. A package. What's in it? Just a minute. I'll see. Well, well, well. Bill. Large denominations and lots of them. Let me have that. Now, don't rush me. Hey, there's a note here, too. What does it say? Mrs. Harding, is this your husband's handwriting? No. No, it isn't. That's my father's handwriting. You see, the money is mine. Not so fast, Frank. Well, what does the note say? It says, Dear Brother Bill, I'm leaving this money in your care. Frank is too wild to be trusted with it. When he settles down, you can give it to him. Then give it to him. Wait a minute, there's more. There's a condition I attach to this. Frank must provide for you and your wife as long as either of you shall live. Is that all? That's it, Mrs. Harding. Then it is Frank's money. Give it to him. He doesn't have to provide for me. No, this money is for both of us, Aunt Harriet. Well, that's more than I deserve, Frank. You can stop talking right now and hand that money over. Alice! Give it to me, Mr. Valentine, and hurry up about it. I never argue with a beautiful woman, especially when she has a gun in her hand. Mr. Valentine, was she the one who was after the money all along? That's right. When she phoned me and got bumped on the head, I thought it was funny I didn't hear the blow over the telephone. And if she was hit from behind, why was the bruise on the forehead? Never mind the explanations. Hand that over. Then she's the one who shot at us. Certainly. She couldn't get in here to look for the book because Frank was guarding the place. First, she tried to put me off the track with that Mother Goose stuff. But she finally gave me the right clue. She figured if she told me the truth, I'd get the money and she'd tail me and pick it up. That's enough out of you, Mr. Valentine. Give me the money. Oh, certainly. Here you are, Miss Berry. But, Mr. Valentine... Don't try to stop her, Frank. It's dangerous. You're right. It is dangerous. Stay just where you are. Don't any of you make a move. But, Mr. Valentine... Careful. But you're letting her get away. Not very far. The police are out there. Let's go! Let's go! It's okay, Mr. Valentine. They got it. Your money will be returned to you, Frank. Thanks, Mr. Valentine. I I owe you a lot. That's right. But you'll get a bill in the morning. Come on, kids. Good night, Mr. Valentine. Good night. Good night. Well, I'm really going to sleep tonight. Yeah, so am I. Oh, too bad. Too bad it had to end this way. Huh? What do you mean? He's thinking about the nurse. Aren't you, Mr. Valentine? You know, Claire, I believe she was a natural blonde after all. Well, next week, George Valentine is confronted with a problem, a big problem. You'll probably hear something like this. Client or no client, Mr. Valentine, you can't keep a dog that big in this apartment. Jeepers, do you realize he eats six pounds of food a day? Six pounds? What kind of food? I'm not sure, but he seemed awfully fond of my head. (laughs) Okay, Sonny. Go out and buy him a bone. Chevron Gas Stations all through the West invite you to be with us again next week for another chapter of Let George Do It, brought to you by the makers of Chevron Supreme Gasoline and RPM Compounded Motor Oil. Let George Do It, starring Robert Bailey as George with Francis Robinson as Claire and Eddie Firestone Jr. as Sonny, is written by Pauline Hopkins, produced and directed by Owen Vincent. Others in the cast were Jane Morgan as Mrs. Harding, Harry Bartell as Frank Harding, Evelyn Scott as Alice Berry, and Paul McVeigh as Mr. Ward. The music was composed and conducted by Charles Dant. Your announcer, John Heaston. Listen again next week, same time, same station, to Let George Do It. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System.
That's Let George Do It from November 8th, 1946, Mary Had a Lamb, starring Bob Bailey. I hope you enjoyed that as heard on Mutual. Time now for This Month in Music History. All right, we're still at 1995 and to make you another bet. Uh Uh-oh. All right, if you can tell me what film... What film? This song was from. I'll okay. give you ten bucks. Ten dollars. Ten real, real ten dollars. I uh, like, like the, like real the real ones. kind, okay. like money. All right, with George Washington on them. Yep. Okay. Okay. Here we go. There used to be a I love this song. I do too. So this is, this is uh, released in 1994. Is this, um, but it's a 1995 oh, song. Let me think. Of... You get one guess. Is this Moby? So who's singing? Oh, is this, um, wait, is this, uh, Seal? Yes. It's Seal, right? Yes. Okay. This is from Batman. Well, yeah, kind of. Now you owe me 10 so, bucks. So listen, so this was, you owe included, me 10 bucks. this was included in the film The Never Ending Story 3. It was re-released in 1995 on the Batman Forever film soundtrack. That's right. So you That's owe me right. 10 bucks. I'll give you 10 bucks. All right. I, and, uh, I can't take it from <laughs> you. Can. Batman Forever, <laughs> it was a soundtrack. Hey, it, not um, Matt. See, Provagen. I'm telling you, it folks. It won Record Provagen of the Year, awesome. Song of the Year, and Best Male Like, how would vocal. I have gotten that without my Provagen? I don't know. You just pulled it out of <laughs> somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> All right. Stick around. More of Hollywood 360 after this short break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. With a 65-year legacy of delivering the most insightful political commentary in America, National Review is the obvious choice for discerning conservatives who want to go beyond the headlines. From the latest news in Washington and the upcoming Republican primary race to the political cultural and economic trends impacting everyday Americans, their hard-hitting analysis is a must-add to your daily reading diet. We love National Review and are excited to have them as a partner because their writers and editors really do dive deeper into these stories than you'll find anywhere else. No talking heads, no clickbait, and none of the sensational coverage you see everywhere else. Hollywood 360 listeners can start reading today with a special 60% discount on any subscription option. You should try out their digital membership, NR Plus, which includes unlimited access to all their premium content, plus a world of membership perks like monthly calls with movement leaders and commenting privileges on the website. Just go to nationalreview.com slash Hollywood. That's nationalreview.com slash Hollywood. And use code Hollywood at checkout to save big. In our next hour, it's Gunsmoke Good Western Adventure for you. We'll also play Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous, the music edition. Right, Lisa? That's right, Carl. I'm going to play a music clip, and I'm going to say a statement about that. You're going to let me know if it's real or if it's ridiculous. All right, that's in our next hour. We'll see you soon.
Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.